This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because... Advertisements suck! Yes! Yeah, they do. Well, hello, Minimizers. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalist, and we are live in Orlando! Take that, Texas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yo, yeah. did she say celibate? I believe she said suck it. Oh, <laughs> that's the opposite of that. <laughs> Ryan and I, um, we, we opened a coffee shop in St. Petersburg six years ago. Uh, we were just there this morning. It's a great idea. If you want to take literally your life savings and dump it into something that makes very little money, start a coffee shop. Yeah, it's a great way to do that. And the thing is, like, it's an amazing work. The crew there is unbelievable. We're actually uh, opening up a restaurant portion there. And, um, I mean, it's really about loving and serving a community. And that's what I love about being able to do these events. Even though we're in a city for a day, we were able to bring some people together. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for being here tonight. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Man, I love being in Florida, man. Like, I, have, I got a lot of roots here. So my grandmother, um, when she retired, she moved to Okeechobee, Florida, uh, which was awesome because, like, yeah, we would grow up fishing, catching uh, perch, which apparently are also crappie. Like, in Ohio, they call them crappie. They call them perch down here. Or uh, lake trout, maybe. I don't know. And then I have I, no uh, idea. I went to Wakala. Does anybody know Wakala County? Yeah. I went to Wakala County High School for like one year, and that was one hell of an adventure. <laughs> Where it's like it's a bunch of shining, go shining. But you know what shining is? No. Dude, so you 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 drive down the sh you drive down the, the road, the dirt road, because there's like two paved roads. Well, the one I was there's only like two paved roads in Wakala County, and you have a spotlight, and you literally just start shining it in the woods, and then you will catch like different animals catch their eyes and they get stuck in the sh in the light <laughs> and you don't do anything else you just shine <laughs> it's real fun after like 12 bush lights <laughs> we have a microphone right here feel free to step up and ask some questions I, there are some things i want to talk about tonight um you know, we wrote this book because there is we've noticed something we noticed in our own lives that i didn't have the the language to put around it at the time. But Ryan and I have healed our relationship with stuff. And I like that, that terminology much better than fixing. It's not about fixing anything. And it's not even about the doing, per se. I know a lot of people, especially when they talk about minimalism or anything that's minimalism adjacent, it's often about the doing. It's about organizing your closet or your drawers or whatever. And all that stuff can be fine. It can be helpful. But it doesn't really heal our relationship with stuff. I, there's a section in the book called Well-Organized Hoarders. And it's really describing me. Um, because, yeah, I had a lot of stuff, but I sort of hid the problem. I, you know, they, For many years, my mom was a functional alcoholic. 
I was a functional, I, I still function with my hoard because it was in really nice, tidy, organized bins and what I call clutter coffins from the container store. There's <laughs> a lot of uh, excess stuff in those. So I want to talk about the relationship with stuff tonight, but I also would love to have questions about relationships in general. I mean, the book is called Love People Use Things because the opposite never works. And I know that only from trial and error. Ryan and I tried the opposite for a long time. You know, loving things, loving consumption, needing things to make us happy. Of course, that is a failed equation. But then using people along the way in order to get what we wanted. Using people to try to get happiness. And we found healing in the opposite of that. So we can talk about that. There are other chapters in the book as well. We talk about values. We talk about our relationship with money, which is one of the most tenuous relationships. So we'll get some questions going here. Howdy, what's your name? Hey, I'm Melanie. Hey, Melanie. Okay, it was so cool to see you guys. I can't hear oh. Melanie. Can, can we turn on her mic? Hello, hello, hello. Testing. <laughs> That's exactly how you do it. <laughs> uh, I can talk loud. Okay, I'll just repeat her well, question. No, we, won't, okay. we can't record it if the mic's not on. Oh, yeah. Sean, can you hear hello, her back hello, there? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> okay, it's coming through the mic, so we're Testing. good. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. okay, so I'm Melanie. It's so cool to see you guys in person, not just hear your voices. <laughs> um, so um, I like to write music, so I have like a ton of voice memos. And I wondered if you guys had any tips for um, like getting rid of things that you create. So whether that's like voice memos or um, papers or like you've written in school or like random stuff that you've like created, like journal entries, like all of that. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. You said Melanie? Yes. Mm -hmm. what, um, why do you want to get rid of them? I, okay, I think it's uh, if I if I like accidentally lost my phone or something, knowing and not really knowing what's there, yeah. maybe. So if I knew what was there, it'd be easier to let go of, maybe. If that makes sense. Okay, so you want to let go of them. And it's not organized. Oh. Hey. <laughs> and it's not organized because it's just tons. Right, right, right. And so, well, the easiest way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. And they, we, that way we don't have to organize our things. With digital clutter, it's a little bit different, right? So digital clutter becomes a problem only when it gets in the way. There's so much digital clutter out there. Don't, you'll never make it to the end of the internet, right? It's, so the internet is full of all this clutter. We have access to it, but we haven't accumulated it on our own. What you're saying is something a little bit different. You, you have some accumulations, whether it's on your phone or computer or hard drives or anywhere else. And some of these things may be useful to you, but it seems to me the reason you're asking this question is because it feels to you either A, like they're getting in the way, or B, and this is the dangerous one, so let's be careful with this, let's unpack it. B, you feel like you're supposed to get rid of it. And I wanna be careful with that because here's what happens. We try to pursue happiness through accumulating a bunch of things, right? And so, if I just have the right, or if I just get things, I'll be happy. If I get more things, I'll be happy. Didn't work. You know what's gonna work? More things. And so, we just try it for a decade, or two decades, or four decades, and it, we never get there. In fact, the things start to, the objects of our desire start to become the objects of our discontent. They start making us miserable. And so, the, what, what do we do? You know what's gonna make me happy? If I just get rid of the things. And so we let go of the things. We 
rent a dumpster and throw all our stuff in it and it catches on fire or whatever. And we think that's going to make us happy. And then quite often people come to us and say, hey, I, I got rid of all my stuff. Why aren't I, why didn't it make me happy? Oh, because you thought getting rid of the stuff was going to make you happy. That is just another form of consumerism in a way. Real consumerism is buying things because you think they're going to make you happy or complete. That's all consumerism is. But the reverse of that would be getting rid of things because you think it's going to make you happy or complete, right? And then, so what do we do when we, oh, I got rid of the things. Here was the problem, though. I didn't have the right things. And so it wasn't the Lexus. It should have been a Mercedes. <laughs> Nothing wrong with either one of those cars, by the way, but thinking those are the, the things that are going to make us happy, that, that's where it becomes a problem. And so... The reason it's a problem is because happiness is something that's intrinsic. It can't be uncovered. It can't be pursued. It can only be uncovered. And so um, when I think about all those voice notes, if, if it's because you feel like you should get rid of them, I wouldn't worry about them because that's someone else's should. That's not yours. If, however, you feel like, oh, they're actually getting in the way of my life, then, yeah, we could talk about that. So which is it for you? Probably a little both. A little bit of both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in what ways are they getting in the way for you? Well, it's just I can't find, like it's harder to find what I actually want because there's too many. Uh, okay. So when, when you're doing these voice memos, I assume you're recording something and you're just like, uh, I, now I've recorded it, at least it's out of my head, it's, it's somewhere so I don't have to worry about it anymore. But now it's causing a new worry for you. You just have this abundance of, of these voice notes. Well, it's kind of, I, do, I like writing songs, so it's like the first one is like, not right, so I do it again, and then it's like, oh, it's a little better, and then another one. So, oh. it's, so I was like, oh, it's kind of cool to look back and see how a song started, and then what it kind of gets to. But sure, uh, sure. So it's like a like a journal in a yeah, way, yeah, for yeah. songs. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you have to determine how much value these things have for you. For me, if they they extract value from my life when they get in the way. So I could tell you that this book went through nine different drafts. Yeah, did you keep them? No, no. <laughs> God, that'd be ironic, right? <laughs> I printed them out, and there's... Oh, they're in the minimalist museum. No, no, but they were important. They were an important part of the process, right? And so I can acknowledge that. I can be grateful for them. And when I let go of them, I could say, wow, that really helped... Draft four really helped me get to draft five, right? And then... It's really, really easy to click delete. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, man, uh, we don't really know what we're doing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but we know what we're doing for us. And, you know, I put myself in your shoes. I think, like, the, the boundaries that Josh and I talk about a lot, like, that's really what helps me. So I do something similar where I have this notepad that in my phone that I keep all these, like, jokes or ideas for jokes or like these beginnings of jokes because like my my like side project sometime someday I'm gonna like do a five minute like open mic night or something you know <laughs> you live in LA you gotta do something you gotta do some kind of performance thing right but what I do is I, I will go through them uh you know once every six months once every year in fact talking about it right now is reminding me I'm like oh man I haven't gone through those in a couple months and I just refine the things that I have so I don't have an exact deadline on it but you can't put a deadline on it but it makes me think about like, uh, I don't know, the spontaneous combustion rule. Like that's something that Josh and I talk about a lot. So you can look at something, you can look at a book, 
you could look at a note or a voice memo and like ask yourself like, oh, how, how would I feel if this spontaneously combusted right now and was gone? Like, would I be devastated or would I be a little bit relieved? And if you're relieved, then that's like a sure, you know, fire sign that maybe it's okay to let that thing go. But I think with this whole journey of minimalism, I mean, that's really what Josh and I have uh, really landed on just with these boundaries. Like that's kind of, you know, we, we made room for the important things and to keep that room there, we have to set up these different boundaries and guidelines. So I think maybe something, even the spontaneous combustion rule, you can go through your phone and just listen to a voice memo and be like, how would I feel? Like right now, if I asked you, like, how would it feel if you went to your phone and all of a sudden, like, somehow I magically deleted all those voice memos, would you be devastated? All of them? Yeah, yeah like half of them. <laughs> half, let's say 50% of them. You the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, okay, so there are some in there that you yeah, could totally use this yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I guess cool. it's like photos too, like bad, like oh. it's like the ones leading up to it. You would want to delete them, but get rid of the. And I have a hard time with that too. So let's I talk about photos real quick because yeah. this is something that applies to everyone in here. Yeah, the, the worst is like you go to take a photo and you take seven of them because you want to get like the best one, and then you don't you don't get rid of the six that you don't want. You keep the seven. Yeah. So I have uh, I have two boundaries with photo taking. One is when I take a photo, and this will seem crazy to some of you. I take only one photo. But we have these, these devices that allow us to take 40 in a row. It's like, ah, ding, 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 ding. And, and, and so what we're doing is we just have 70 of the same photo. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll like one of them. And so uh, I got this. This was actually a tip from a friend of mine who's a, who, who's a photographer, and he uses film, actual film. And so he's like, every picture, I can't just take seven of the same thing. And I'm, I'm like, I, I can do that with my phone. I can just treat it like it's film. And so even if it's like blurry with my thumb in it, well, that's the one I took. And, um, and, and it's awesome, and it's been, it, the reason I do it is that constraint is incredibly freeing. Because I've just told myself, oh, now I don't have to go take a bunch more photos to try and get the perfect photo. I'm no longer, I'm no longer able to keep taking those. In addition to that, whenever I have a trigger, anytime I get on an airplane, this could be any other thing for you, but we, we tend to fly quite a bit. I, I was doing it yesterday when we were on an airplane. I, um, I just go in and look at my camera roll and delete anything that I'm like, oh, I don't want to save this, don't want to save this, don't want to save this. So having some sort of, it could be uh, the first of the month could be the trigger, or it could be anytime I go to this restaurant, or whatever it is, anytime I'm here, I'm going to spend 5, 10, 15. The first time, it's going to be you know, two hours on, on the airplane. <laughs> That's why I did it on the airplane. I'm forced to just go through all of them. And those two boundaries really helped me out, and I think you could extend that to your voice memos as well. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Yeah, Thanks for being here. Hello. Howdy. Hi, I'm Veronica. Hey, um, Veronica. Nice to see you guys. I love listening to you guys' podcast. Oh. So, Thanks, um, Veronica. Thank so you. So my question is, um, so I have a creative hobby. I love to make things, and to be more specific, I like to sew costumes, and I like to craft armor and all that stuff. So it's a very expensive, and I have to gather a lot of things. I had let, let go of that hobby, um, like probably like two years ago and then I'm kind of picking it up again because I love it. But it's like, now I have like so much stuff. <laughs> so, because it's like, you know, I have to gather materials and then, you know, I have to test things and make them and then, you know, I have the final product and then I have to... So wait, wait, you, so you, you don't do the hobby anymore but you still have the stuff? No, no, I'm making, I'm doing the hobby again. So oh, yeah, okay. I had gotten rid of it because it got cluttered. So like my space, like my work area just basically had a lot of stuff. 
And so, but when I got rid of it, it was just like, I kind of missed that. So I kind of got back into it. And then I'm like, I'm just gathering stuff again to make more stuff. So <laughs> it's just like, but it's like, kind of like, I guess it's, my question is kind of like finding the balance because I love the hobby. It's fun. Um, I, I don't know what, if people are nerdy here, but I like to cosplay. So I like to go to conventions oh, and awesome. kind of like show my, okay. <laughs> Glad I'm not the weird here. Not that weird here. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so it kind of like, you know, you kind of build this inventory of stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of like overwhelming when I'm like, oh great, I made all these projects, but look at all this stuff again that I literally worked so hard to get rid of. And then I just have it again. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about clutter real quick. Yes. So you, you use that word clutter, right? Yes. And you said the hobby is adding clutter. I don't know what's going on with this feedback, Sean, but we gotta fix it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah, there, that's um, auditory clutter is all that feedback I'm hearing right now. Um, first I thought I have tinnitus, so I'm like, man, it's really bad tonight. What is going on? Um, anyway, let's talk about clutter. What is clutter? So you, what you're saying is, I've got all this, this clutter here, mm -hmm. and I think what you're, you, what you're saying is actually, a, a continuation of the previous question, that's clutter to someone else. Like, if I had a bunch of cosplay items and, and things around my house, I don't, I, mean, I think it's great. You know, I don't kink shame anyone, whatever you want to do. Um, but um, the, it's clutter only if it gets in the way. But for you, it doesn't get in the way. It's serving a purpose for you. And so it's not clutter at all. It's someone else's clutter. Someone else might feel like it's getting in the way. And maybe it is getting in the way for someone else in your life. And so you want to be conscientious to other people. And, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think sometimes there's clutter because it's in the way for me or there's societal clutter. And that's just other people's expectations of what I should own. And anything outside of that is abnormal. So during the talk, I talked about all those costs, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it costing you to have that? <laughs> like he ain't talking about money. Yeah, besides the monetary costs, like what is it costing you? Oh, I mean, just space, basically. Okay. I mean, is there, could you spend that resource on something better? I wouldn't spend it on something else. <laughs> but, 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 this is, but this is why I'm asking, because yeah. if, if that space, and it's okay to have an empty space, maybe... Maybe you would spend it on just the aesthetic of having a more open area, which is totally cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, Josh and I are not just an advocate to get rid of things. Um, I would go back to, you know, what what Josh uh, asked about the, the the last question with the the recordings. It's like, are you getting rid of it because like it really is costing you something that you're not willing to pay, or do you want to get rid of it because the minimalists are up here and you're like, they would want me to get rid of it. <laughs> Is it? I, I, seriously, it's valid. I mean, it's, it's a real question. I mean, is it? Is it because you feel like you? Sh we feel like you should get rid of it, or someone else feels like you should get rid of it, or is I there some? To other people, definitely, it's like, what's with all this Man, stuff? Fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> Sean can believe that out. So, so here's here's the way I would look at it. There are certain things in my life that added value yesterday. They may not add value today. And so there was a point where you're like, okay, these things did add value, but they're not anymore. Then I give myself permission to let go. Here's one other thing I'll tell you. I've never regretted letting go of anything ever. However, there's sometimes I have to bring something back into my life if I realize like, oh, that thing might add value for this next season in my life, right? It's not about getting the perfect thing, the complete thing. If I just had those seven things, then my life would be complete. It doesn't work like that. 
Your life's already complete. The things simply augment or enhance your experience of life. And if they are augmenting or enhancing your experience of life, then yes, hold them, but hold them loosely and be prepared to let go if they stop adding value. Right, because like I said in the talk, it's a superpower. Like the willingness to walk away from anything, like that is the, the best thing I've gotten out of this whole experience is I'm willing to walk away from anything in my life. That makes me actually... Uh, not hold on to, but it makes me closer to a, l a lot of people in my life because I, I am willing to walk away if I need to. So it's a deliberate choice to be with, you know, not just my things, but with relationships. So, um, yeah, I, what's your favorite cos cosplay to dress up as? I'm currently into My Hero Academia. I don't know if anybody's Oh, there. awesome. Okay. Very cool. Awesome. All right, cool. thanks so much for the question. Really appreciate Thank it. Howdy. Hello. For me. <laughs> no worries. What's your name? My name is Gloria. Hey, Gloria. Hey, what's on your mind? I'm well. I'm a pro professional podcaster too. Oh. Well, welcome. Awesome. Thank and you for being my here. My question to you is: Why do you think minimalism will be good for depression or anxiety? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about depression and anxiety because those are two words we often use interchangeably, and um, it's fine. I mean, we, we can. It depends on the essence of what we're really talking about. Why are we so anxious, right? I think one of the biggest reasons we're anxious is because of the pursuit of happiness. I mean, it's in the founding documents for our country. You have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No wonder we're so miserable. We're all here trying to pursue happiness. Happiness is not something that can be pursued. But how do we in our society try to pursue happiness? It's really two main things. It's success and things, right? And so success is like status accolades, achievements, awards, validation, trophies, pats on the back. We all quantify success. In fact, now it has to do with follower counts and all of these other things, right? As soon as I get X, then I will be happy. Of course, there are plenty of people who have achieved X and beyond X and 10 times whatever X is, and they're miserable. And of course, there are really happy people who have never even thought about X, right? And so, Let's talk about this other part, the things. It's the same pursuit, it's just a different path we take to get there. I'll buy the car, I'll buy the house, I'll buy the bigger house, I'll buy the correct furniture. Now, we, there are two reasons we do that. One is we think it's gonna make us happy, or two, we think it's going to make someone else impressed by us, and then that's going to make us happy. It's like a circuitous route toward happiness. Of course we're anxious. We're more anxious than ever, because we see so many models of consumerism and success. And what minimalism does is says, hey, that's not the answer. There's nothing wrong with things. Ryan and I are not deprivationists, right? We, we don't just try to live without. We try to live without the excess. Minimalism allows us to identify what is enough. Because what's enough for me might be not enough for Ryan. And so it's not prescriptive in that way. I wish it was. I wish there was, well, you know what, in our book, the 300 things you must own if you're a minimalist. Um, there are 16 rules in here. We call them 16 rules for living with less. But even those aren't actual rules. I just know like, people like the idea of having rules. They're really just boundaries. You were talking to the gal before you about walking away, Ryan was. One of the rules in here is the, will, or is the walk away rule. And um, willing to walk rule, it's called. And I learned this, uh, there's this, movie from the 90s called Heat. Anyone remember that? Yeah. All the guys are like, yeah. Robert De Niro. Um, 
Yeah, well, anyway, Robert De Niro's character, he, uh, he, uh, he has this line in the film. He says, never bring anything into your life that you're not willing to walk away from in 30 seconds flat. And at first, I heard that, and I internalized it with the things in particular. But then I realized that, okay, maybe not set aside the 30 seconds flat. That seems a bit extreme. But why would I have any relationship in my life that I'm not willing to walk away from? Because what's the alternative? Well, I guess I'm here. I'm stuck because of obligation. Who the hell? Like, imagine if I go to my wife, like, well, yeah, I don't want to be here, but I'm obligated to be. And she's like, oh, great. <laughs> no. A willingness to walk away means whatever I'm doing, I want to be there right now. And at any point, I can walk away. Last night, I'll give you an example. Um, Ryan, we, we wanted to go eat in St. Petersburg. There's this fish place we wanted to go to. And um, he wanted to invite a couple friends, which is great. And I said, hey, I don't want to step on that, but I need some alone time because I'm an extreme introvert. So I'm just going to get my stuff to go, and I'm going to literally walk away. And um, if you have people in your life where you set that expectation with them and they understand you, they love you, they care about you, then they, they understand that, oh, yeah, yeah. I, my expectation of you should not dictate your behaviors. Yeah. I've, I've never like put this together but when I think about the anxiety that I used to have in my life and a lot of the depression I used to have in my life a lot of it stemmed from not meeting certain expectations whether it was didn't have the right girl didn't have the right house didn't have the right job uh, people weren't responding to me the way that I expected them to respond to me so a lot of these things would cause anxiety I, I mean I'm I still d deal with anxiety a lot but it's a little bit different now because does, it's not tied to any expectations. And one thing that minimalism has helped me do is really, I keep my standards really high, but my expectations are so low. And it really makes for a, a very um, a less anxious life for me because I'll put the best thing I can out there with, with no expectation of getting anything back. So when I get something back, it's freaking awesome because I didn't expect it anyway. So um, yeah, I, I didn't, I've never put that together, but I think... I mean, there's clinical depression. Yes. There's clinical, like, you know, yes. anxiety problems. Um, minimalism is not going to solve those clinical things. But I know for me, it really did help with anxiety and I'm, depression. I'm, I'm going to give you an experience because I've been oh, yeah. working for two years talking about depression and anxiety and PTSD. And two years ago, when I, one time I see your, I think on YouTube, one of your videos, and I decide to be minimalist. So I went to my closet, and every time I go to my closet, I don't know what to wear. It was a very anxious moment for me. And I always say, I don't have nothing to wear when I have like, uh, I don't know, maybe 300 pieces. Mm. I don't have nothing to wear. So I decide very like a- uh, 14 winter coats. <laughs> <laughs> so I decide, I say, you know what? I, I, I cannot believe this, guys. Let me, let me try. And then I start purging my closets. And then I purged it, and between, you know, all the items was 300 items. Yeah. And I reduced my closet like a very minimum. And when I saw that, I said, <sighs> finally. Yes. And then the second thing I, I, I got from that, I was having a lot of compulsive um, buying. And when I was sad, I buy three dresses. When I was happy, I buy five. When I was miserable, I buy 10. <laughs> so I was collecting a lot of emotions in that closet. Mm. And then from two years already, I just say, you know what? I'm not going to buy anything for two years. And I try, but I still buy, but not that much like before. 
And now I've been able to save for two years a lot of money. So thank you for you guys because. Yeah. <laughs> That's congratulations. That's it, awesome. It's impressive. Like the uh, conscious of mind that say why I need to spend all this money, where uh, to who I need to show I have all these dresses, and I don't socialize too much. So so why I'm gonna show this dress to? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and, and my podcast is about that. It, you What's know, your podcast called? Unbreakable Life with Glory. And uh. I talk about depression, anxiety, PTSD based on my story. When I was 25 years old, I was kidnapped and held in captivity for 90 days in the dark. Mm. So I know what is all that emotions, and I've been able to work with that and be very successful with all the emotions, without medications, but a lot of mental power, a lot of, you know, therapy, and looking for all the avenues, and one of the avenues that you guys, it was powerful for me. Now I had a big house, now I buy a small house, and that house is gonna be completely minimalist, and I've been telling in social media, I'm a minimalist, I'm in a minimalist. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your question. Yeah. Appreciate you. Keep up the awesome work. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Bravo. Yeah. So, so next time you, you have a, um, a problem, just say, well, at least I wasn't kidnapped, right? Like, uh, there, there are layers to these problems we have, and we're in here talking about stuff and relationships. And the anxiety is real with any of these things. By the way, it manifests whether it's with stuff. Our anxiety, we, were just had, we had uh, John Deloney at our Houston event a few weeks ago. And he, um, he, he talks about anxiety, and one, you know, it's a really his specialty. And we were backstage, and he said, uh, we were talking more about anxiety. He said, all anxiety is relational in nature. And now, that can be our relationship with people, but it's also our relationship with stuff. It's our own expectations that we thrust upon the world. Hi, what's your name? Now, just hey, heads up, uh, Sean gave us the signal that they're going to kick us out soon, just so you Oh, know. yeah, okay. Yeah. So we got the light? Yeah. What, is it, what time is it? Anybody have a watch? <laughs> it's 8. Oh, we got, we got half an hour oh, at least. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, I think that's like the lightning round signal. Oh, okay. Okay. Got Ryan, it. what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments too. Well, you got the number right there on your bookmark, but I'll talk to you anyway. 937-202. Four six five four. There you go. Anyway, we're not really going to do that. We're going to answer your questions here. Lightning round. During the lightning round, we try to answer questions with short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We call them minimal maxims. But really, we'll just ramble on a bit until we find something pithy for you. <laughs> What's your name? Linda. Hey, Linda. Hi. So, um, my, I don't collect a lot of things, um, but my fiance does, and I'm super supportive of him. But um, we just recently moved, and in that move. I realized like how much stuff he had. For me, it was like, how can you have this much stuff? But uh, he wants to get rid of it, but in his time. And that doesn't really like meet my timeline, but I want to be respectful of him <laughs> because I love him. So without being like that nagging, you know, fiance, mm. how can I be more supportive? Because there's a reason why he is holding on to like clothes from 20 years ago. Sure. That I don't understand, but I do want to be supportive. So to yeah. understand more, because he's a huge fan of you, and that's how I actually found you guys. God, um, I, so I, I love this. So let me, let me, I'll give you a, a pithy answer just so we have that out of the way. Collecting is well-planned hoarding. So we can, we can start there. Uh, we, we use these like, nice euphemisms like, oh, it's not a hoard. It's just a collection, right? 
Uh, Ryan, have you seen my dead cat collection? It's <laughs> um, I support your preferences. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, and I hear so much love in, in your question. And so bravo to you for that. Because quite often, we were in, in Denver recently, and this lady came, came up to the mic. And she goes, how do I get my husband to get rid of all the junk in our garage? And he's like sitting right here. <laughs> and I think here's the biggest problem we have right now. It's not our stuff, is we don't understand what love is. Love is, is not, yeah. we, we, we say, well, yeah, there's this whole thing in the book about like, oh yeah, I love my wife, but I also love burritos. Like we don't have different words for this. We use this, one means like I really like burritos, the other is something else, right, that we don't understand. And so we, we then begin to conflate it with something else, attachment. I need you. You complete me. Nonsense. You incomplete me. <laughs> And here's what I mean by that. I'm already complete. And so any misery you have in your life, most of it's going to come from your closest relationships. That is a hard truth to deal with, but it is just the truth. It's not my opinion. It's not a belief of mine. Just look around. The people closest to us cause the most misery in us. But it's not actually them who's causing it. It's my own expectation of I want you to do this. So what is love? To love someone is to see them for who they are without trying to change them. Yes. So what is it to hate someone? What does it mean to hate? I used to think I thought I knew what hate was, but I just figured it out relatively recently. Hate isn't a strong dislike for someone. That's disliking someone. To hate someone is to try to change them. I don't like you for who you are. Ooh, you can tweet that podcast, yeah. Sean. I would not want to change him for anything. No, I know, I know, and, and that's, why, that's why I think the spirit of your question is so beautiful. I could see in the essence the love there. And so what you're asking is, how do I support him? There is no how-to. There is only a seeing him for who he is and meeting him there right now. And if he needs your support, if he needs you to listen, then great. You can be there for that. But not changing him is the way to love him. And, however, if he sees that you love him, here's the beautiful part, he will transform on his own. Thank you so much. Thank you. Howdy. Hello. What's your name? Howdy. Oh, I'm Elizabeth. Oh, no. Hey, Elizabeth. See, I always have to hear my own voice in, like, the microphone. And get, like, <laughs> I think I got to deal friends. with it all the time. <laughs> What's on your mind? I feel the same way. Um, I, it's kind of going off a little bit on what Gloria said. Just like kidnapping. No. <laughs> but like neurodivergent behavior, such as like autism and OCD, I kind of think about what you said about how you take the thing, you polish the thing, you, and like there doesn't come a sense of joy with that, but a sense of safety. Do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, you know, let's, let's talk about that. So I think either one of those can happen. If you're truly immersed in the experience of something, if you enjoy making something, creating something, if you do the thing that is, mo why are we laughing here? What did, what did I do? She's got the giggles. Is my fly man. down? They, dude, they, okay. I saw them eat special brownies earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you become immersed in, a, in, in some sort of creative task, you know, some people call it a flow state. 
Some people call it um, freedom. Some people call it just uh, creativity, whatever you want to call it. Then, yeah, everything that goes into that, it is joyous. But what Ryan was talking about was something different. It's the burden of having to do the thing, right? Like, imagine if uh, they asked me, you have to write this book. Oh, my God. That would be, like, I get to write. What a pleasure. What a joy. I get to be here tonight. But if someone forced me to be here, that's not freedom, right? And so that is the main difference. But if you're talking about the immersion of experience, some of those things can actually augment our joy, right? If you have a hobby that requires things, I'm not saying get rid of those things. You can temporarily deprive yourself, though, for a period of time to figure out what does add value to your life. Removing it and then slowly reintroducing things that may add value to your life. Mm. I mean, if I had a pithy answer, I would say minimalism is not the answer to happiness, but it could make room for it. And, you know, when it comes to these, these specific things that you're bringing up, um, I have, I've had people email me. Man, oh, man. Oh, I won't say their name. But they sent me an email. They're like seven years old in high school. And they're like, I'm clinically depressed. Here's, you know, just laid out how their life was. They're like, is minimalism the answer? And I'm like, buddy, I wish I could sit here and be like, yeah, dude, just throw away your stuff and be happy. But like, that's not, that's not what minimalism is. It's, it's living intentionally. And then we kind of had a deeper conversation going on. But there were some clinical things going on. So, you know, can it make the room? Sure. Is it the answer? It, it, not, not for everyone. Well, thank you so much, you guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And your voice is lovely. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. You know, she was talking about um, neurodivergent brains, and, and you know, I have OCD, like real bad OCD. But um, it was flaring earlier with the the noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that I, that was something else. <laughs> yeah, that was the brownies I ate earlier. <laughs> um, uh, no, I could. I would just be staring at the microphone the whole time if that was the case. I'd just be up here looking at it. Truly. Um, Literally. <laughs> but I will tell you this: that by by. It, not having excess, I don't feel the same obsessive, compulsive tug that I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Howdy, what's your name, brother? Uh, it's Armando. Hey, Armando. What's, up, Thanks what's for on your here. mind, brother? Um, I'm going to ask the question first and then explain it. Um, how, how do you get comfortable in your own solitude? And here's the thing. Paid off all my debts thanks to you guys' teaching and Dave Ramsey. Yes! So, this... Debt-free is like the new American dream, I'm telling you. Awesome, man. But I come from a family that is workaholic, kind of, um, and that kind of still stuck even though I paid off all the debt. Still, and I'm Wait, can I pause you? I want to ask you a question now. Okay. What's wrong with that? Other well, than the I word. I want to be less busy. But oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not the workaholism, it is the busyness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... I'm in the middle of a career change, which will almost double my income. However, I, I, I always tell my girlfriend, when I do improve my income, I'm going to be less busy and I'm going to make more time. But then sometimes even before that, I have to face my own solitude. And it can be you know, a little lonely. It could be a little like uh, staring at your own thoughts and all that. How do you deal with your own solitude? Here's a pithy answer for you. Someday is not a day of the week. Um, so I know that like, oh, I will stop being busy 
as soon as these criteria are fulfilled. I used to tell myself this lie all the time, too, where if I get this promotion, then I'll be less busy. It turns out I was more busy, right? And if I get the next promotion, then, of course, I'll be able to work fewer hours. And eventually, I'll be 55 or 65 or whatever, and I will get to retire, and then I'll be less busy, right? The problem wasn't the career. The problem was me and the striving and, and the constantly needing. So nothing wrong with being a quote-unquote workaholic, right? Mm. And it will benefit you if you found something that is so compelling you can't not do it. But if it's working for the sake of being busy, keeping our hands moving, because why? Well, here's what we often do. We want to try to fix the world or fix other people, right? Without being able to stop and just take a look at ourselves mm -hmm. and realize the healing that needs to happen here first. And the healing only happens when? When we stop doing all the excess stuff that we're doing. Busy, for me, is the worst four-letter word in the English language. Yeah, I, man, I'm just thinking how busy, um, being busy, it actually it takes away from, from loving yourself or from being comfortable with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of a sexy, pithy way to say that, but busyness will keep you from loving yourself. You can just tweet that back, Sean. Unless you, ha you can, Josh is my editor, so sometimes he edits my, my tweets for me. Um, I think it was good. We'll, we'll clean it up in post. <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, man. Um, are, are you just doing the job for the money? Is it just because you can make twice as much, or is it something like you're really called to do? I try to save up for a house. Okay, that's eventually. cool. Okay, that's, uh, that's cool. So, so you have a goal in mind. Yeah, and I have like that's three good. or four different side hustles, which one of them include podcasting, funny enough. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome, so. man. Podcasting is like, yeah, it's still like Wild Wild West out there, I feel like. Because like, mm -hmm. anyone can start a podcast. It's, yeah. So yeah, congrats on that. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's called Locked On Panthers. I tweet about, uh, I uh, podcast about the National Hockey League. Oh, cool, oh. awesome, man. Thanks that's, for the question. That's what's cool about the podcast is like you can take these individual topics and like talk about it. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, man, um, it's great that you have a goal. But if you stay busy your whole life, you're gonna end up hating yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What I see in you is the same thing I saw in myself. Like something's going to happen eventually. It'll happen someday, right? Mm -hmm. That, a, that contentment will, will arrive. I will finally get it. It's right there, right around the bend, right? But no, it's already, it's right here, man. Mm -hmm. the, the happiness is already right there. You don't need to pursue it. You don't need to get it. The house isn't going to make, nothing wrong with owning the house. Mm. The house isn't going to make you more happy. It's not going to make you more complete. Absolutely. How do you yeah. feel when you look in the mirror, man? I don't look at it often. Dude, there's a book called The High Five Habit that a gal named Mel Robbins uh, wrote. I hate to recommend another book to you. Buy it, read it, minimize it. I do the audio book, so it's, <laughs> you can just delete it. Um, I'm telling you, that book will help you, man. Because it, it helps, and I would go more into it, but we're in the lightning round. Um, but that will help you be, that will help you at least uh, get to the why of why you can't look in the mirror. Mm. Yeah. Because that's a, that's, a that's a very important symptom to take note of. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming up here, man. Thank, Thank you, brother. You. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you. Howdy. Hi, I'm what? Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Hey. What's on your mind? All right. So I um, moved to Florida about six years ago, and after a failed marriage, I, um, a couple of years ago, bought this wonderful 748-square-foot house mm. that um, all my five kids were going to be gone or seniors in college or whatever. And so here we are, post-COVID world, and I've got three of them at home. <laughs> <laughs> 
and um, including my 28-year-old, who's amazing and um, was going to go to dental school, but instead was very successful in sales. And uh, she looked at dental school, looked at the debt ratio, and decided she didn't want to do that. So then uh, after a few years in sales, she saved a lot of money and said, you know, I'm going to do one of those build a van thing, van life, hashtag van life. And can I come build the van on your property? <laughs> and so mm. she came in January, and she was going to be done in June, but mm. she's not done. I know there's a question mark here at some point, right? There is. So how do you deal with... Um, a lot of people in your space that you didn't expect to still be in your space. Yeah. Oh, here's a pithy answer. When you let people into your life, you can just as easily let them out. <laughs> now, there's a compassionate way to do that, by the way. <laughs> okay, because the two seniors in college don't expect me to throw their stuff in it. Of course, of course. And that, and to throwing away someone else's stuff is to actually unlove them. So yeah. I wouldn't do that for sure. It's theft, really. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> although if it's in your home, I suppose you own it. Um, check with your local municipality. You, um, you said a word there, expect, right? And uh, that's really where the, the discontent comes from, right? Currently, the situation you're in is untenable. To be in a house with four or more people that is really tiny, it, you don't have enough space right now. I didn't mention the pets. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so something has to change. You either have to move into a new home or you have to move them out of your home. And otherwise, you're going to there's no how to deal with it. There's, you know, how do I deal with a, a, with a house that's on fire? I know, I'll just take the batteries out of the smoke alarm. <laughs> right? It doesn't... It, that doesn't solve the problem, right? And so it's you got to put out the fire, and those are the two ways to do it. Yeah. Next, your question. But my real pithy answer would be this: to to set boundaries is to love. So with you, with the question we got asked earlier about uh, the girl who moved in with her boyfriend who has all the mm. stuff and holding on to clothes for the last twenty yeah. years, to sit down with your with your your kids, with her to sit down with her boyfriend and to really set boundaries together, like that that is love. So. Don't think that setting boundaries is you being a mean mother. S setting boundaries is to love. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Can I get a time check from you again? They usually put a clock up here for us. Oh, we got time. I see three people it. there. Is it three? Yes. Yes, we can get to all of them. All right, we yeah. can do it. All right. Howdy, what's your name? Hi. Hello. Hello. Good to see you in person. My name is Kinga. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm so happy to see you. Oh, we're so I happy to be seen. I listen to your podcast every day on Aww. my way to work. I'm really excited. That's Thank awesome. you. I'm here with my husband, John. Oh. Right hey, John. Hey, John. I dragged him here. Did you Did you drag him <laughs> kicking, and, kicking and screaming? Yes. He wasn't kicking Thank you, sir, for being But I promised dragged. him I'm going to go with him to a football game next month. So oh. <laughs> so it's, a, yes. Oh, that is some, that's, yes. there's a lot of love right there. I can feel that. There is a lot of love. That's awesome. That actually um, sounds like a transaction, to be honest <laughs> with you. A little bit. <laughs> What's so on your mind? I don't have a question about the material stuff, I, uh, material things. I have a question that is about things to do, and it's a little bit personal, if it, that's okay. So that's not your first time in Florida. And when you do come to Florida, what do you like to do in your free time that does not... 
uh, involve drinking coffee in downtown St. Pete or shining flashlight in the eyes of wild animals in the middle of the night. <laughs> I should take him shining. I guess it could be a little bit of like an added value question. Recommendations, yeah. favorite places um, to go. Yeah, Disney well, World. Josh loves oh, Disney no. World. <laughs> the drink kids. Yeah, no, no thanks. Um, yeah, I'm so boring. It, it, here's the thing. I am allergic to fun. And okay. or Orlando, you could have called it Funsville, and it would have been <laughs> totally appropriate. Okay. Yeah, I, here, here's the thing. I, um, anything that I tell you is going to be so uninteresting. Okay. Like, what was I doing before this? Like, I was literally organizing my hotel room, like, unpacking okay. my things. That's like... That's yeah. me. So <laughs> and it's so like, we'll show up at the hotel, and I'm like, all right, here's my bag. I'll put these in the drawer. This goes here. He iron, irons to unwind. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I love ironing. This is so and, mean. And so I'm not prescribing this to anyone, um, but I, I spend a disproportionate amount of time alone and, and just quiet, silent, um, doing my best not to think. But good luck with that. Oh, my pithy answer would be um, fun is temporary, uh, beauty lasts forever. Ooh. So whenever I'm in Florida, I mean, like we were just in St. Pete, like they have the most unbelievable sunsets. They like the do. sky is on fire. Their sand is like, it's like powdered sugar. Yeah. It does not taste like powdered sugar, though, I'll tell you. Did you taste it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So um, anytime I'm in a place like Florida or anywhere else, like if there's some beauty that I'm not uh, used to seeing all the time, like I go out of my way to like catch as much beauty as possible. We went down. We didn't get to go inside, but we went down to like the Salvador Dali Museum in St. Pete, which is really if you haven't been to the Salvador Dali Museum, it's primo. It's awesome. But there's like a beautiful little waterway right there with sailboats. And yeah, I just try to experience all the beauty I can besides the coffee and the Thai food, which yes. there's a Thai food place like five minutes walk that way, which is freaking awesome. Um, so try that out. Can I echo something you said real quick? Yeah. Because I, this is this is something that, that I really trip up on, right? Because Ryan, it, what he's highlighting here is experiencing beauty. The problem is we often turn that into a pleasure chase. At least I know I do. And so, like, I'll give you a good example. We were just in Aspen recently. Like, we had a speaking thing there. And so we went to Aspen. And I'd never been to Aspen. It's gorgeous. My first thing was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And like we were walking in the river and like doing all. And then all of a sudden, oh, we've got to come back here. Now, nothing wrong with that. But now all of a sudden, I've taken myself out of whatever we're immersed in. And it turns into how do I get more out of this? How do I get better? H how can I do this again? You know, for drug addicts, they, they just call it chasing the dragon, right? It's having that experience and needing it all of a sudden becomes a prison. But if I can just show up somewhere and experience the beauty, and often the beauty is in the banality. A parking garage can be beautiful if the sun's hitting it at the right time of day, right? It can be a, a, a memorable experience, but even then, you don't even have to hold on to the memory. It's not about that. It's about what's going on right here, right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the question. <laughs> Sorry I went a bit over there, but I'll, I'll keep it pithy. All right. Howdy, what's your name? Hi. Hello. Hi, my name is Priscilla. Hey, hey Priscilla. Priscilla. I have a work-related minimalism question. So um, I get a ton of 
like these reply all emails and invites to like waste my time 2021 emails like it is ridiculous <laughs> and I've emailed you know people saying can you please take me off these emails and I've been told I come off as rude mm. and these like meetings and these emails really don't add value to my time at work so do you guys have any tips on how I can like take back my time at work or have people yes. respect my time at work I love this question oh <laughs> uh, but not for the reason you think. Because I know what you want. You want the five ways that the people will not think you're rude. And so if I give you these five tips, then all of a sudden it will fix the problem, right? That's not the problem. So I get it. You know, sometimes you respond to people and they say you're rude or... Yeah, or a bitch. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So what? Yeah. Why, did, why is that important? Because clearly it's important. You came up and asked the question. Yeah, yeah. Like, you all might think yeah, I'm rude or whatever, and so what? Like, I don't know what that does, like, other than me needing you to feel a particular way about me, right? And so what you've revealed here is the same way all of us feel. I need people around me to feel this way about me, right? And, and if, I, if they don't feel this way about me, what am I going to feel? A pang of discontent. And so that's where you are right now is you, it's not, because you don't want to be on the list. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. And so it's, but unfortunately their opinion of you is more valuable to you than your time and your attention. Okay. And if you understand that truth and you look at that truth, and you say, well, no, actually, my attention is more valuable than that. Then it doesn't matter the way that they... Because here's the thing. Someone's always going to think some way about you that doesn't comport with your ideal vision of yourself, right? And so you're always going to feel discontented if you need that. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Oh, man. I got, a, I got a couple of pithy answers. Like one is uh, if your boundaries continue to be crossed, it's probably because you haven't sent clear enough boundaries. That's correct, yeah. And it sounds like you were trying to do that with yeah. them, and they're taking offense to it. Yeah. They are taking offense to it. That is their problem. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. The other thing I would say, too, if you, if you spend your whole life trying to please others, you're going to live a miserable life. I mean, imagine if Josh and I try to please every single person. I mean, it, it, it is, it's unbelievable just, there's not, who, who, in, who in this world is, 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 uh, is, is, is a people pleaser to every single person? I can't think of one person. And you can name some of the Stoics or the prophets or whatever, and not even they who are like up on this pedestal are loved by all. So it's impossible to be loved by all. So love yourself, set your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so You're much. welcome. Thank you. We saved the best for last. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, guys. My name is Sandra. Hey, Sandra. What's on your mind? Um, before I ask my question, I just wanted to express my gratitude to you guys just for um, just pouring into us, right, and just giving us this platform to be able to just make radical changes in our lives, mm. right? Um, I'm here with my sister-in-law, Cindy, who's back there by way of... Hey, Cindy. Did you drag her out of here or did she come willingly? No, she came willingly. Okay, Thank perfect. <laughs> Um, and thankful for this platform, right, because by way of minimalism, we were just kind of just able to just come together. My life was impacted, her life was impacted, and we just kind of worked through it on a day-by-day -day conversational basis. But for me, my question is more personal. 
So for me, minimalism, right, is a way of life. So when I stumbled upon uh, you guys on Netflix, um, it really set me up for what was going to happen in my life, which was being laid off after 12 years, being committed to a company for a super long time. Um, and it just really paved the way for me to be able to live my life intentionally, um, appreciating time, just understanding the impact of what that is versus being automated into this way of life that we're taught to live, right? Yeah. So my main question for you guys tonight is, living this life in minimalism, how to stay intentional in the longevity of minimalism? Not trying to make it sound like a conundrum, right? But just more staying intentional. Because for me, it can be a struggle of, I like how this looks, mm -hmm. but should I really be doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So staying intentional in the longevity of minimalism is yeah. Yeah. the main question. But let's talk about horizons for a second. Because it's fascinating. If you go out to the ocean and you just get in a boat and you sail east for a while, there's a horizon there, right? You never get there, though. You just keep sailing. There's never a horizon. Even if you reach land, there's still a new horizon there. On the land, you can get in a vehicle and you reach the new horizon, and it's right there, but you never, ever get there. And I feel the same way about minimalism. It's not about getting down to the right number of items. We had a friend uh, named Dave who wrote this book called The 100 Thing Challenge, which was really fascinating. This was over a decade ago because he challenged himself and he lived with his kids and his wife to live with just a hundred items for a year. And I thought that was, that was really interesting, but he then admitted through that experiment, like, oh, this isn't the point. As you said, the, to live intentionally, we want to use minimalism, as you said, a lifestyle. I, I would look at it as more like a, a tool, right? And so a, a carpenter who picks up a hammer, they use that tool intentionally. If you don't, you could actually hurt someone with it, right? The same thing is true with minimalism. You start just going around getting rid of other, other people's stuff, or you just start getting rid of your own stuff. That can be destructive if you're not intentional about the things you're getting rid of. So a few questions I always ask myself, and I've asked myself this question so many times it's become habitual, but does this thing add value to my life? It's not even a, an intellectual exercise now. It's a, it's a heart exercise. Any item that I own, because I'm willing to let go of it, that question comes up pretty frequently. Does this add value to my life? If not, I give myself permission to let go. Because the moment I stop giving myself permission to let go, what does that mean? It means I'm clinging, right? And so letting go is not something you do. Letting go is something you stop doing. You stop clinging to material possessions. You stop clinging to excess. You stop clinging to busy, right? You stop clinging to excess obligations. You stop clinging to all the things on the calendar that make me look like I'm an important person. Nothing wrong with filling our calendar up with things that we find to be valuable. Nothing wrong with the things. But we let go of the toxic relationships even. We stop clinging. It's not something we do. And I heard so many do questions in here tonight. It's our society. It is rotten to the core. Because we, we keep asking, how do I improve my life? Well, that's nonsense. There's no improving your life. It's already complete. Excess stuff, a new house, a new job, a new circumstance isn't going to make it better. I mean, it'll bring you more pleasure for a moment. Not really. It'll, it'll decrease the misery for a moment. 
but it's not going to bring you what you're actually looking for. We call it happiness, but it's not even that. It's tranquility. It's peace. It's freedom. And if you value freedom above the stuff, if you value freedom even above the toxic relationships and the people, the quote-unquote family who get to treat you like, well, well, because we're family, I can treat you this way, right? That's a type of clinging. It's a societal clinging. It's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I know, but they're just my family. Yeah, I know, I should do that, whatever. The problem is that we cling. And we don't have to do anything to let go. All we have to do is stop clinging. Thanks for your question. Yeah, thanks. Hmm. I don't know where to go after that. Oh, man. I guess we should thank a few people for being here tonight. Uh, let's thank the Writer's Block, the bookstore who's hanging out out there for yeah. us. Yeah. We really, we really enjoy supporting local indie bookshops. In 2014, we did a 100-city book tour, and uh, we just went to indie bookshop after indie bookshop. Our business model was if we sold enough books in one night, we'd have uh, enough money to buy a hotel room that Ryan and I could split back then. We were driving around in his Toyota Corolla, 100 different cities, and uh, sometimes we just slept in the back of the Toyota Corolla, snuggled up. He refuses to share a hotel room with me these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I want to thank you for, for being here tonight because, uh, yeah, you spent some money to get in here, and that allows us to have separate hotel rooms, which is awesome. <laughs> but you also gave up your most precious resources tonight, not your money, but your time and your attention. These resources you'll never get back, and I'm so grateful for that. So give yourselves a round of applause tonight. Yeah. Can we thank the Orlando Improv for having us here tonight? Yeah. Woo. Oh, we got a special person here. Is Alan an angel? Where are they? Oh, he's back yes. there. Yes. Uh, so Alan is our business manager, and he lives down here most of the time. Um, and he comes out to California to pester us occasionally. Um, but um, he and, and Angel, they... Um, they make sure all the debits and credits are in order because otherwise we couldn't do any of this stuff without them. <laughs> they so, do all the work we Alan, don't want to do. Angel, thank yes. you so much for being here tonight. Thanks, guys. They are uh, just fantastic people, and I'm grateful to... We have an amazing team back home as well. Um, I look, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know where you're going from here or who you're trying to become, but as we just talked about, there is no becoming. There's only being. And I'm just grateful you decided to spend this time with us tonight. If you leave here today with, with just one message, please let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Yeah. Thanks Orlando. Woo. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine 
without it.